We have a, a principle in our companies called the 131 principle. And the idea behind it is this. Any problem that a leader raises in, in a strategy session has to be presented in this format. What's the one problem? What are the three possible solutions? And what's your recommendation of why? Mm, I love that. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Brad Pedersen. How are we doing, brother? Man, I'm doing amazing and uh, super excited for our conversation today and looking forward to seeing what kind of uh, juicy nuggets we can collectively come up with together. Oh, yeah. I know uh, with our collective brain power, I'm, I'm sure we'll come up with some good stuff. Probably some bad stuff too, but majority of it is, is going to be good, right? For sure. You, you said you're doing amazing. I'm just, I'm just curious. Why are you doing amazing? And, and what is amazing in your world? You know, I, I think a life of design by intention is, is something I've aspired to. Um, for most of my life, was not able to achieve it. Uh, I've, you know, I tell people it's, it's hard to figure out balance in life. It's much easier to be aware of imbalance. Um, so for most of my life, and I'm sure some of your listeners can uh, maybe identify with this, that, you know, my business plan came ahead of my life plan. And uh, mm. I, based on some uh, decisions I made not so long ago, I really, you know, one of my key principles now is life plan before business plan. And I don't get it perfect because as a, you know, a repeat entrepreneur who has a frenetic mind, I oftentimes get uh, sucked into the vortex of defaulting to my old, old behavior patterns. But certainly I am in a really great place where uh, I am prioritizing my life design and I wake up in the morning feeling just so grateful with the abundance around me based on where I live, my health, my family, my my kids, uh, the businesses that I get to make impact through, the community I get to do life with. And uh, yeah, I just, I feel like I'm um, living at the best possible place that I currently can be in my life. Amazing, man. I love that. Well, I know we're going to unpack a little bit of that. And obviously, you know, the journey that's led you to where you're at today. You've got two really awesome and amazing businesses right now in, in Lomi and in, is it Pila? It is Pila, correct. And Pila. And, and just real quick, b- before we dig in on kind of your backstory a little bit, Lomi, Pila, what are those? How'd those come about? Yeah, they're really driven from the backstory, but I'll tell you what they are and then we can go there. Yeah. Um, so they're they're basically waste innovation companies. Um, you know, I, I've been in consumer products most of my life and I've always been somewhat conflicted about the way that it happens. We have this very linear make, take, use waste economy. Mm. Most of what we buy at, you know, our, our at the supermarkets we support ends up in a landfill in a very short period of time. So these companies were inspired by how do we make things like they were meant to be? We came from a circular economy. Like if you think about our ancestors, everything was made out of wood, bone, you know, uh, feathers, things that ultimately had a graceful end of life returned back to the, the plant in a responsible way. And it's only been in the last uh, 100 years that we've created this thing called trash, which goes to landfills and or the ocean. And it takes a very long time to go away if it ever goes away at all. So... Peel a case was our attempt to focus on uh, smart devices and creating sustainable protective wear for that. And we've created that category and are the leaders globally on that to direct to consumer brand. And actually, Lomi came as a result of that because um, we had a problem in that we made these compostable protective um, devices for smart devices, protective gear for smart devices. 
but there was no real easy way to give it the end of life because most people did not have access to uh, a composter, home composter, or if they put it in their industrial composter or, or sent it to the industrial composter in the community, it got rejected because they're not tin, they're not set up to handle compostable biodegradable plastics. So Lomi is the world's smart waste device, and it turns organic waste into Lomi Earth, which has this unexpected grade of being a superfood for plants. So um, we're solving a bunch of problems with that with you know food security, with uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, it's, it's just a really, really amazing sort of uh, interception of how we solve one problem, create new problems, and you know use our, our creative genius to go and solve another problem that was actually even bigger than the original one. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions and of course larger deals and paydays all around we call this deep sales and linkedin has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of linkedin sales navigator right now our millionaire mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try linkedin sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast that's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial let linkedin sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started i love it and those are massive problems that make a massive impact in the world as you you solve them. And I know for me personally, and I want to tap into your answer to this, you know, if you would have told me a decade and a half ago that I would be owning and operating hotels and doing it at the level that I'm doing it, I would have told you you're crazy. And yet it's very interesting as I get the, you know, opportunity to uh, interview and talk with so many amazing entrepreneurs and billion, uh, brilliant business minds on the evolution of their journey as an individual, as a business owner, as somebody making a difference and impact in the world or in a specific industry. Did you ever think when you first started your entrepreneurial journey, you would be doing Pila and Lomi? <laughs> Not a chance. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, I, had, I heard it said that, you know, it's, it's literally thin threads that connect us to these points in life. And, you know, I've often referred to it as it's, if you take a look at a tapestry, a beautiful tapestry, it's made up of a bunch of thin threads that weave it together to make something beautiful. And that's certainly, I think, how our lives go. But if you've ever looked at the back of a tapestry... Well, the back of a tapestry is looks like a bunch of tangled knots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that is life. And that's my experience as an entrepreneur. There's a bunch of twists and turns. It's never up to the right. It's it's these serendipities of just being in motion and being open to possibilities. And um, there's something I call the, 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 the courage flywheel. 
I think courage is, is the most uh, important uh, of all the virtues. But it starts off with like curiosity. You're curious about something. You apply your, your creativity to, to problem solve it. And then you actually have to have the courage to try. Mm. And courage is a sort of bliss point between cowardice and recklessness. You're not, you're, you're not sitting back and not trying, but you're also not being overly reckless, but you're just doing enough to make sure you put things in motion. And of course, at that time, you're going to run into challenges, guaranteed. That's just part of the story. It's never like, oh, that was easy. In fact, if that story is your story, I don't want to hear it. We want to hear about the struggles and the challenges that you go through, which in turn, as you solve those, they build character, add to your confidence, and then allow you to be curious again. And it's just this flywheel that spins. Mm. So when you talk about hotels, um, I mean, I started off making kids toys. In fact, actually, I started off in school to be a chiropractor. So, you know, going from that to where I'm now focused on solving, how, how do we democratize the carbon problem? How do we actually do something that creates lasting impact for our humanity? That hurts my, my head to even connect those dots. But it was a bunch of thin threads that got it there. Absolutely. I know it's, it's wild on, well, for, for most people, at least my answer when they say, well, you know, you've had some success. How have you been successful? And, I, and my philosophy is I'm just dumb enough to believe in myself every day and smart enough to take action on what I think the next right decision is. And, and that philosophy has led me to obviously a lot of failing forward moments, but it's also led me to the wins and kind of the stepping stones of success. And it's always easier to kind of, kind of connect those dots in hindsight versus, you know, trying to look forward, right? Because I'm sure, you know, as a chiropractor, you would have never looked forward and said, I'm going to be changing the carbon footprint of the world going forward. And yet, the sequence of events over the course of your journey and career, whether it's relationships, conversations, doors opening, doors closing, have led you to that point. And so I'm just curious, what for you has given you the confidence to continue to move forward and actually close one door and open another one and trust in that path and the process that you're kind of committed to? That's a great question. Because um, it's not lost on me that it's really easy to, to not do that. You know, like I said, courage. Like, I mean, as you talk about, you know, you were just, you had this belief just in yourself. Yeah. That is something that I think is really important, but where does that come from? And, um, and so I think it comes from my, my worldviews and my beliefs around that. I, I believe that we are created by a creator and that there's a reason for it. Like we came from somewhere, we're here for a reason and we're going someplace. I really truly believe we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. And um, in that, I believe that if that's true, then I have to have faith and courage that there is something above that will divinely intervene in my courage and my ability to actually take the steps. And, you know, my father used to always say to me, the difference between being between failing and being a failure is that you're going to fail. You're going to get knocked down. Being a failure is choosing to stay down when you're knocked down. And so I've just had this like irrational belief in myself that if I get knocked down, uh, that's just part of the deal. That's just part of the process. Because my my father really instilled at an early age about hard work and failing and making mistakes. And that's okay because it's a part of how you become the person you need to become, you know, 
your life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. And I feel really, I guess, impassioned by the, that idea and that I'm just going to keep uh, pushing forward. And I don't know, maybe you have a similar experience because I think most entrepreneurs, you know, tend to believe that, um, that, that believe in hard work and just this sort of grit, this resilience and relentlessness. But part of my belief system is that, you know, if it, if it isn't hard, it doesn't really count. Like I just kind of at an early age, when I started building businesses, I expected that it was going to be, it was going to be challenging. And that actually empowered me because I knew the average person wasn't willing to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So because it's this hard and I'm willing to persevere, I'm doing something that's really extraordinary because I know most people wouldn't be willing to go through what I'm going through right now. I, I love that you brought that up because I, I I agree. I mean, there's there's almost like this undeniable faith and trust that people who decide to go down this crazy path called entrepreneurship, business ownership, um, they 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 trust one in the process. Two, they have kind of this crockpot mindset versus this microwave mentality where they mm -hmm. understand it's a lot of ingredients over mm -hmm. a longer period of time that create the greatest outcomes versus those quick hits that I think now most of us, you know, whether you're conscious or subconscious about it, have somewhat been, you know, trained to want and expect things so much faster. Talk about your daily practice around patience and, and persistence and, you know, persevering through the failures being that obviously I think you mentioned to me, you know, out of your seven entrepreneurial endeavors and businesses, mm -hmm. three of them were massive failures. And yet without those failures, we obviously wouldn't be talking about, you know, Lomi and Pila today. So how have you continued to push through and approach kind of your daily practice with being present, but also, you know, trusting in this process over the long term? Yeah, sure. Would it be helpful if I tell some of that story about what, because I think it kind of informs what my practices are today. Please. Okay. So I'm going to do an abbreviated version just so we don't spend a bunch of time there. But I started off in school to be a chiropractor. Part of that was that my father was a chiropractor. My father's father was a chiropractor. So was his mother. And my my great-grandfather was the first chiropractor in Denmark. So this is kind of like what, what Pedersons do. We, we become chiropractors. <laughs> and it was just kind of baked into my 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 mindset that this is what you're going to do when you grow up went to school started down the journey but i was always very entrepreneurial as a kid i had these sort of side hustles that i did i dove in in um in golf courses i'd go into the uh, the ponds and get balls and then i'd sell them in egg cartons for five bucks you know just cutting wood cutting service just a bunch of different things i did so fast forward to in my mid-20s uh i come across an opportunity to become a distributor in toys. And it was sort of a happy accident. I read an article in a magazine about a kid in California, invented a toy, Rags Rich's story. I was inspired. I called him up. I bought some products. Next thing you know, I'm his distributor. Uh, fortunately, he knew as little about Canada as I knew about toys, but I was just willing to work hard and give it a go. And it was literally just that. I worked really hard. I was a busker for more than, I would call it two or three years where we just go sell these things at carnivals and festivals. When that eventually turned to kiosks and malls. And we moved so much volume just through that, that I started to attract more attention and more products. And all of a sudden I had a portfolio. Uh, fast forward five years later, I'm now the largest toy distributor in Canada. And I came from a part of Canada where there's no, no reason to be a toy distributor. You, you know, there was agriculture and oil was what drove where I was from. So it was really this contrarian sort of idea, but we we're really proud of that. 
Um, but I grew this business really rapidly. And, you know, in my 20s, I started feeling like, hey, I'm pretty good. I, I was able to, you know, create some momentum here. And I'm, I, I think I'm pretty smart. Uh, in retrospect, what I learned is that a little bit of ego can create a lot of overhead. And I, and most people are shocked to hear this, but I actually grew my company to failure. Um, I grew too fast. I got upside down in my covenants with my banks. They called my loans. And I was suddenly in a very difficult place going from this wonder kid who was celebrated on the speaking tour to, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, I've got seven figures of friends and family money that's underwater. I've got personal guarantees and life went from here to here, like really fast. It was high yeah. and low in a, in a, in a nanosecond. Um, but I did have this sort of relentless desire to drive. I, um, I was able to uh, attract additional investments. People came in and said, "Hey, uh, we see that you you know you you're able to build a company, scale a company. Uh, we will you know come and invest in you, but we'll only do it with a restructuring." And as I've come to learn, restructuring is a fancy word for bankruptcy. So they basically <laughs> want to clean up your cap table. They want to reduce your debts. They're 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 just coming in with fresh capital only after they look after all the old obligations. Um, that made Christmases and Thanksgiving for me and my family very awkward because, again, when you bring in friends and family money and you go through restructuring uh, and their money is now underwater, um, you know, it just it changes the, the dynamic significantly. Um, new money comes in. We spend two years trying to wrestle to fix the company. But what had happened at that time is that the business models started to get challenged. Distributors in Canada were out of vogue. Walmart was driving more direct to suppliers. And I suddenly found myself facing a lot of headwinds. So after two years of wrestling and trying to fix it, the money we brought in was actually all gone. We were actually more in the red than before. And uh, we put a bullet in the company to actually kill it. Um, that was the inflection point that forced me to think, rethink my future. And, you know, again, I kind of said that while it's hard to get clear on what you want, I find it much easier to get clear what you don't want. And literally, I just created anti-goals from all the things that had happened from that experience of here's what I don't want again. And from that, I came away with a business plan for a new company that would take us from a toy distributor to a toy manufacturer, from being focused on Canada, being focused on international, uh, no more inventory. We're going to sell FOB Direct. And we launched a new company. That company became successful. The model worked. Uh, I scaled that up. Uh, but it was associated with a Hong Kong company that was a legacy company that ultimately we had to bankrupt because we were getting the, the sort of the hangover of having uh, a bankruptcy. And that becomes kind of bad news for you is that people come after you and they come after you for different ways. And so the company that was in Hong Kong that we co-owned had to bankrupt. So that was the third <laughs> bankruptcy. And that led me then to a point where I had an exit in 2017 uh, by merging my company with another company. Uh, but even that didn't turn out as I'd hoped because I merged my company. It was a liquidity event, which is great, gave me freedom. But yeah. after 90 days, I got fired by the board because the two co-founders were not a great cultural fit. And uh, we had clashes in terms of the way we were working and managing together. And it, you know, while it gave me freedom financially, it left me on the outside looking in to mm. discover a new future. And what I've come to discover, Matt, is that sometimes the best gifts come wrapped in ugly paper because while that was all those things that happened, if I look back on them now, they were terrible. Like yeah. getting special loans coming to collect on your house, 
Um, by the way, my wife should have hit the eject button many, many times. She's been with me over 30 years. She didn't. I give her a lot of credit because I'm not sure many women would have said, you know, uh, that they would put up for that when they say it for better or worse, but not for this BS. So um, she hung in and, um, you know, and then getting fired by a company I had founded, um, you know, that, that also uh, wasn't great. But all of those events led to a much better future that quite frankly, I probably would never imagine on my own if I hadn't been disrupted and hit. And so that's part of what informed my principles about life plan before business plan and the idea that you can't give what you don't have. And I'd always been disciplined in my routines, but I got to be honest with you, like my mornings often, it was like, you know, first thing I do, turn on my phone because I've got a Hong Kong office, got international business. It's like, blah, 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 blah. This is, this is, my life was always on. Mm-hmm. So when I made the commitment to focus on life plan before business plan, it was about making sure I had what I needed to give to others first. Because mm-hmm. you can't get what you don't have. And so my mornings and the way that I structure my day now is very clear. I, I'm up early. I, I get up between 5, 5.30. Um, and uh, the very first thing I'm doing is I'm going into prayer, meditation, and stretching. Now, you know, I've heard the word meditation from a lot of people. And for me, my, my monkey mind doesn't work so well with that. Um, so I found that I got to be physically doing something like just sitting still for me doesn't work. And for those of you that it does amazing, just not my, my jam. So I've now built in sort of a layering where I'm stretching, I'm meditating and I'm praying and the three things together for me just work. Um, you know, and that then gives me the ability to, uh, get really grounded with gratitude first and foremost. And then uh, typically into some, I'm consuming something that's healthy for my mind because I'm a re, you know garbage in, garbage out, big believer that it's important that you get your mindset set right. And I leave everything off until 7 a.m. And then I turn on the switch and I've specifically structured my life in a way that now I'm not also getting the frenetic flow that puts you in the F state where you're frantic, frenetic, and uttering other F words. I, I, I've eliminated that by putting systems and people in place to, to take that out. So, and that allows me to really be in the flow state where I can be doing really meaningful work. Amazing. Now, as a, a co-founder of these, these two businesses that are absolutely crushing it right now, what did you commit to doing different on these than from the past. Yeah, so uh, if you're not learning from your history, you're condemned to repeat it. Um, and I think for for me, the, the biggest thing was number one, um, outside of life plan for business plan, which informs some systems that you're gonna set up. Uh, number two was uh, my no asshole rule. So basically it means you need to pick your people really, really well two most important decisions you're going to make in life is who do you marry and who do you get in business with? Um, my history in the past, as I sit back and, and deconstructed, you know, sort of problem behavior, um, a big one was I just didn't pick great partners. Mm. They, they might've been great partners on paper. Uh, they may have had a profile that looked uh, awesome for a specific task, but in terms of uh, values and beliefs and alignment in terms of what's important. If you don't get that right, you're going to create a lot of strain in in your life. So how do you get that right? Because I agree with that so much. And I know a lot of people, I can relate to that in certain business partnerships I've had, good and bad. How, how do you audit that partner, that decision, whether it's 
a wife, whether it's a business partner, right? Uh, knowing what you know now, how what would you say to somebody that's thinking about it in terms of a life partner, a business partner, that you might be able to share some wisdom from your own experiences? Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Our sponsor today is Uplift Desk, creators of the best office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. You can visit upliftdesk.com and use the code MINDCAST for 5% off your order. And if you sit all day long while you're at work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, you got to. It'll be a complete game changer. My standing desk is by Uplift Desk. It's what I use every day to record the show, prepare the show, do all my office work. And I gotta say the transition from sitting all day to standing while I work at various times throughout the day has really made a noticeable difference for me. When I'm standing, I notice I'm way more focused and productive. I'm way more alert. And I even have a little standing treadmill under my desk now, which allows me to get some extra steps in while still plugging away on calls and getting work done. Keeps the blood flowing throughout the day, which obviously can reduce all types of different health risks and repetitive strain. And I've noticed that my posture has drastically improved since switching to an uplift desk as well because I'm not hunched over the computer all day. And while there's a lot of options out there for you to choose from, the reason I chose uplift desk is because of the quality. It doesn't wobble, it's completely stable, it's built to last. You can definitely tell based on the materials they use and they are customizable too, which is really cool. They let you build your custom dream desk by choosing over a hundred desktop choices and hundreds of accessories that you can build into the desk for your own perfect workspace. And you can do that by using the really fun to use desk configurator. And once you have your desk all designed and picked out, you order it, they ship it the same day, you get free shipping. They do free returns with free return shipping if something goes wrong. And the best part is they have an industry leading 15 year warranty that covers the complete desk, which was a really big deal for me. It shows that they stand behind their product for at least 15 years. So to get yours, go to upliftdesk.com and use the code MINDCAST for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com to get 5% off your entire order with the promo code MINDCAST. Yeah, take time. I think mm. the only way you truly get to know who somebody really is, is just through experience and time together. Um, you know, as I think about when we launched Pila, the very first thing we did is that the co-founders came together and spent a day just in uh, assessing fit. We didn't even talk about, you know, operational systems and opportunities that we literally just assess fit. And there's all kinds of tools that you can use, whether it's DISC or Myers-Briggs. I think they, um, they're all good. All they are is they're just their way to inform the potential fit. But beyond the, the working style fit, it's like, what are your values? Like, yeah. let's get down to what are the values? What are the things you truly value? And if you really want to be clear about that, then just show me your calendar because that really informs what you value because the most precious thing you have is your time. And the nuance I'd add to that is your attention. I mean, if you go on a, uh, a date with your wife and you're on your phone, you got time, but the attention piece is missing. So yep. the important part is the intention in the time. And, and so I, um, I would just say that as part of this process, we took probably five to six months just to assess fit. 
And just to assess whether that was going to be a good, whether our working styles were going to be complementary or potentially competitive. Um, recognizing as well that, um, you know, dating, which is what most people are doing, it's that superficial layer of showing just what you want people to see for yourself, but it's not necessarily what's beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to get past that. And the only way to get past that is by developing trust. And the only way you can develop trust is through vulnerability and transparency. So without time, you can't really get there. Um, and without those missing elements, the trust that's necessary for enduring relationships just can't be built. Um, and I think, you know, it even comes down to the way that we hire people to this day. Like, if you want to work for our companies, we put you through a gauntlet of at least four interviews. That's probably going to happen over a, I don't know, up to 90-day period. And it's with different people in organization. Um, and the idea being is that we literally, well, I created a system to, shouldn't say I, we created a system to save us from ourselves. Cause I think every entrepreneur sees possibilities. Like that's why mm-hmm. we're entrepreneurs. We see the potential and we see yep. it in people yep. even if they don't see themselves. And the whole point of the interview process is to take the time to ensure you get the right person in the right seat. And that first and foremost, it's a cultural fit that the value alignment is, is correct. Because if you get that wrong, it doesn't even matter how good they are. Um, it doesn't matter what school they went to or what experience, because that will become, um, it, it'll become a disaster long-term to your organization. So yeah, it, it is, if you're going to put any effort in to relationships, put it into relationships that you need to build trust because you're going to be building value together. And as I see your team at the office, beyond your partners, you're in trenches. You, you really want to know who are the people that you're going to go arm in arm with. Um, did you ever watch the last, last dance documentary with Michael Jordan? So good. It's like one of the best uh, examples of high performance team building in that, that I've come up with. I mean, me more. You know, what, what do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> Jordan wasn't just obsessed with winning uh, a championship. He was obsessed with building a legacy. In other words, he wanted to create the greatest NBA legacy in history. And as you watch the dynamic of how they work together, um, you can clear, it's clear they're, they're a band of brothers. Like they've bled on the court together. But that doesn't mean that they are being Pollyanna about the way they're doing life. He's literally calling them out on the court for not playing to the level he needs them to play at to build this legacy. Mm-hmm. And it gets to a point where he even has a fist fight with Steve Kerr. <laughs> so while I'm not, you know, pr- promoting violence as a way to, you know, beating your team into, into some sort of, uh, uh, you know, cooperation methodology, it just is an amazing example of a team who had um, a very high, they had a huge BAG. They want to build the, the greatest legacy in, in NBA history, want to become the, the GOATs. And to get there, they had to hold people at an incredible level of accountability, which only came from transparency and vulnerability and calling people out when they're not doing what they need to be doing to ensure that they actually win the prize. Yeah. That's powerful. Talk about that piece, because I think that's something that people struggle with is accountability. And how do you call, not just call somebody out, but how do you call them up, right? I feel like that's certain, mm-hmm. pe- anybody can do that, but 
I feel like certain leaders, great leaders, do it at a whole different level. What's your thought around accountability and how people can call someone up to the highest version of themselves and what kind of impact that can make in an organization or in a family? Like, how do you approach accountability? Yeah, man, I tell you what, I think it still comes back to, I mean, Lencioni in his five dysfunctions of a team really laid out kind of the framework of, of how this works. Mm. But he talked about the base level of trust, which again, only comes from you can't build trust without transparency and vulnerability. You have to be willing to be real, right? Where most people are, um, they're, they're coming to a room and the, the term I want to use, I can't use, but they're grinning at everyone. <laughs> There's like, hey, it's all good, right? Like, it's this artificial harmony that they've created. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, they're trying to, to, to look good and be right. But if you have trust, then the next thing that you are able to do is to have conflict, but it's constructive conflict or Ed yeah. Catmull calls it, you know, creative abrasion. Or it's, it's not about being right. It's about getting it right. So the only way you can do that is attacking the problem, not the person. And this, I think, is for leaders really critical. Like as a leader, um, the thing I'm learning, and this kind of comes back to, you know, even your question about how have you been able to create more, um, more life design and free up your, your frenetic pace. In the past, I used to have, suffer from the Wizard of Oz syndrome where I had to have all the answers. And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, just waiting to bestow people with all the answers and in the beginning, it's empowering. And then eventually it's draining and you can't scale it because you're not scalable. Yep. Um, so what I've come to learn is that it's not about having the answer. It's about asking the right questions. And if you ask people the right questions enough times, um, they really start to do what they're designed to do, which is to be the problem solvers in your organization. And in fact, we have a, um, a principle in our companies called the one three one principle. And the idea behind it is this, any problem that a leader raises in, in a, uh, a strategy session um, has to be presented in this format. What's the one problem? What are the three possible solutions? And what's your recommendation of why? Mm, I love that. And it just really gives you the opportunity to go from being the author to the editor. Mm. And again, do that through asking great questions. And I really believe if leaders, um, if you want to build anything scalable, durable, and enduring, the most important piece to that, you know, got to have the idea, of course, you have to be a founder willing to have the courage to try, you know, you have to be able to uh, be different than your competitors, not just better to them. But then the most important piece is then finding, attracting, and empowering the right team with the ability to execute. And the only piece, you're, only way you're going to get to this execution piece is by getting the empowerment piece right, which means you have to turn them loose. And oftentimes you can take ordinary people and get them to extraordinary outcomes just by asking questions and giving them a framework where they have freedom to express their God-given creativity in unusual ways. Mm, so well said. Now, I've got a question for you that often comes up when I talk to really talented people that I see a belief in that they want to go and create something big. And yet they don't because priorities around maybe family or kids, mm. other individual, you know, beliefs and values, they feel 
would be cannibalized or sacrificed by following their dreams or going after this big opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I also see people that are somewhat reckless in their obsession and commitment with building something, and they do do those things. How do you find balance? Because I'm sure, right, with your wife and your kids and your faith and all the things that I know are important to you, also knowing the commitments and responsibilities that come with a startup, that come with a big business like Apila, like a Lomi, how do you find that balance in ensuring that the things that are priorities and matter most to you aren't sacrificed for the success that also is what drives and is a part of your DNA? Yeah, great. Uh, such a good question. Such a hard one to answer. Um, and, you know, again, I'm going to answer it from the best I understand at this point in, in my life. Yep. You know, after a person only turning 50, I still got much more to learn and to live through to, to understand better. But the way I think about it now <clears throat> is um, I, I've identified eight values of my life. Um, some of those values are foundational and some of those values are flexible. In other words, <clears throat> my fitness is a non-negotiable. Because if I don't have, you know, true wealth is health. And if you don't have your fitness, you have no agency and life force to apply to anything else, mm. right? So for me, that is, that is a, a non-negotiable. Uh, my family, again, non-negotiable. That is something that I absolutely have to give priority to and have to make sure that I'm, I'm doing everything I can to continue to foster closeness and love uh, with my, my immediate family and with my extended family. Um, my faith. Again, it's uh, we're spiritual beings. I feel very strong about that. That's something I got to continue to harness. No different than you. You're growing yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually is a part of it. And for me, that's a foundational piece. Um, and then finally, the the finance piece is critical because without the economic engine to drive yep. all that, you don't have the options to be able to even spend time with potentially you know your family and or into your fitness. So those to me are the kind of the foundational pieces that I ensure that I'm touching daily in some capacity. And then the flexible ones for me are things like fun, friends, refining, which I refer to as like personal development and growth, and then freedom. This is just imagining to doing big, hairy, audacious things and expanding my, my influence in the world in, in meaningful ways. Those are flexible. Those are things you can, you know, do here and there. Um, I, I, subscribe that you need to do those weekly. But then again, to your point, if you're starting a business, how do you actually factor that in? And I refer to it as just seasons of life. Like when you're starting a startup, it's, you know, the space shuttle, I think they say burns 90% of its fuel just to get to escape velocity outside the atmosphere. Um, that's what's required to start a startup. It's going to be extraordinary amount of effort to get that off the ground. Um, and so things that are flexible are going to get less attention than they would have otherwise. And even the foundational ones might be abbreviated for a period of time. And it's just about making an agreement with yourself and with those that it impacts that they understand that. Like I have, um, I like to do two workouts a day. I try and do something in the morning and I try to do something later in the day. If I've got a big project and I've got a number going on right now, it's now like one because I need to prioritize where I'm applying my time. Um, you know, my wife is clearly aware as well are my kids that I've got a couple of really important launches that are happening. And so they know that for a period of time, 
we're still going to spend time together, but it may not be exactly the way that I want it to be. As long as they understand that eventually I will be coming back to that um, more, I guess, balanced approach. But as I said earlier, I am a big believer that finding balance is almost impossible. It's yeah. awareness of imbalance. Yes. And your calendar is going to tell you if it's true. And the second person is your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no filter from the wives ever. No. I so, love that. So that most people I think um can can relate and and that that resonates, right? On so many different levels and like you said, I think there is no magic bullet to it. It's more counter uh more counterbalance and like you said, it's that awareness piece and knowing when you maybe need to swing the pendulum back, you know, or knowing the kind of framework in the timeline of, of when that, you know, off balance may be and when you really need to, you know, swing it back in the other direction. There's another uh, nuance I'd add to it. There's a fable of Burden's ass about a donkey that was standing in a barnyard and it was both hungry and thirsty. Problem was it had to go to one side to get the hay, had to go to the other side to get the water. And it stood in the middle, undeciding which way to go first. And in the end, it perishes as the fable goes, because it was lack of, of decision. So indecision, which, by the way, is probably true for most people in their life. They perish because of indecision <laughs> more yeah. than making decisions. But the point is, is that it could have gone to one side of the yard to get water. And then the next side of the yard to get hay. It just couldn't do them both at the same time. And I think it speaks to that life is long. I mean, I know it's short, but it also is long that you can do both. Mm -hmm. And there are seasons of life where you just have to choose what is the most important priority based upon my life design that I am currently uh, focused on. Yep. I can definitely relate to that because I know for for me personally, based on my values, based on my priorities, um, you know, my my girls right now are, are eight and five, you know, which are those golden years. And while I've been an entrepreneur and a hustler and a grinder and, 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 you know, sacrificed certain things along the way, I also made a commitment that said, you know, I, I wrote down what you said, foundational versus flexible. There was a lot of things, you know, during that time of building my business that I sacrificed on the flexible side, but said, foundationally, these things aren't going to flex at all. And for me, it was one of those things where I probably could have made a lot more money during that time, but those foundational things were way more important to me. And one of my favorite quotes is, there's no amount of success or money that's worth sacrificing success at home. Mm. And I know that at some point in time, while I hope and pray that both my girls will want to spend as much time with me as possible, as much of their life as possible, I know that, you know, that's not necessarily the reality. And there will be seasons later down the road that I can grind and hustle and spend as much time around my obsessions selfishly as I possibly can. But right now, this season, while there is definitely some slivers of hustle and, you know, going after big goals, because it's what I need to, you know, fulfill some of my um, natural desires at the same time, I also know that, you know, some of the sacrifices on the hustle, the grind, maybe the net worth not grown as rapidly or quickly as I want to is not as important as uh, invest in that time that I'll never get back with my kids and my wife. 
Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. That's a powerful uh insight for you early in life. Um, I got, I got a couple thoughts on that. If you're willing to riff on it. Yeah, absolutely. So I've come up with this sort of decision filter to help determine where I should prioritize. Um, and I'll start by saying that my coach says to me all the time, he says, you know, a skilled hunter knows how to hunt. The master hunter knows how he is hunted. Um, I know I'm hunted by the idea that part of my belief system is my value is on what I do. Like building businesses is part of who I am. And yeah, it's important for me to build a business. And, and part of my motivations are not uh, altruistic. They are to make an impression that I'm, you know, people be impressed because I built this successful business. So I know I'm susceptible to that. That's a part right. of just who I am. Yep. So the decision filter now is this, is that if you think about, I'm going to ask you this question. Give me your top three memories from the past year. Mm, uh, Taking my, my wife and my daughters and my mom and my dad to Disney World. Okay. Um, selling three of my hotels. Okay. And um, probably a weekend where I literally did absolutely nothing but just hang out with my girls and our new puppy. Love it. Okay. Perfect examples. So there's this concept I call the four P's and the four C's. And it's the decision filter by which now I evaluate opportunities. The idea is this, is that the media and the world at large tells us that we are, um, that what we do and what we have is what ultimately is what makes us successful and feel happy. So it comes down to the four P's, power, prestige, possessions or pleasure and the media knows all about it because they just that's what you get hit with like that's everything that you yep. see coming through your feeds and that is focused on one of those four buckets like how can you get more of this in your life yet if you think about our best memories that truly give us joy not just happiness but joy it fits into one of the four c's which is challenges 
contributions, which I say are either creativity or charity and meaningful connections with others. As I take your list of what you did, you had a Disney weekend with your family, connections, you sold some of your hotels, challenges. Uh, you, uh, you had another amazing weekend with your dog and your daughters and that. Again, connections. It's our best, most joyful moments in life come from when we spend time in the four C's versus the world telling us though, this is what we're constantly thinking is the four P's. So whenever I'm thinking about, oh, I need to go this place or buy this thing or do that, I stop myself and I say, am I, am I giving my attention to the four P's or the four C's? Because I know that if I'm in the 4P land, it's ultimately going to be superficial. It's going to be like a heroin hit that, you know, Mm -hmm. you get once and you got to go and get back, get it again, only bigger dose to get the same kind of feeling. Whereas if it's in the four C's of challenges, contributions in the way of charity or creativity and or connections, that's ultimately what gives me joy and where I feel like I've built enduring value in my life. I love that. What a great framework for anyone to self-reflect on and ultimately, right? That feels like alignment versus incongruence almost a little Mm -hmm. bit deep down inside. You said the four Ps were power, prestige, possessions, and pleasure. Pleasure. Wow. That right there is gold for anybody that's looking to find a little bit of a framework to apply on their journey of really pursuit of any, you know, I think thing in terms of growth, whether it's more money, more fulfillment, more impact, better relationships, right? It's it's a great way to self-assess what camp you might fall in and, and either affirm being in the right area with the right decisions or maybe, you know, knowing where you might need to make some course corrections. Yeah, I mean... You know, my wife and I, we, we love to, uh, we love to wake surf <clears throat> and we have a, a beautiful boat. Um, but I'm telling you that boat would be kind of empty and meaningless unless there was a bunch of people on it. Yeah. Right? Like having the boat is, you know, one thing, but having it to create memories, magic memories with people who matter, that's really what it's about. And you know, unfortunately, we're, we, what we see is that you use people to get things where the real joy in life is to use your things to build more relationship with people and others. And um, it fits into the the four C's. And it just, for me, it makes it so much easier about the decisions I'm about to make in terms of my, my, my life, which is my leadership, my influence, my finance, my expertise. Am I going to invest any of that? Is it for the four P's or the four C's? Because ultimately I want more joy in my life. And I know joy comes from being in the four C's. That's so good. That, that's a gem right there. I'm I'm curious, Brad, on what the big vision of of Pila and Lomi is, and you know, is there is there a certain milestone that you you know exit out of? Is this a is this a legacy you know journey for you? What is kind of the vision, and and what are you working towards right now? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, look, I think you know as we. I feel very blessed, very grateful that when I had my exit in 2017, it gave me freedom. And I recognize that's rare error, that that's not uh, for the the average person. Um, I mean, I think it's possible for the average person, but the average person is not experiencing that. Mm-hmm. But it really gave me the opportunity on Maslow's heart, give needs to be focused on the, the run, the top rung of how do we ultimately create um, 
go from success to significance? How do we create something that matters? Um, and I'm not expecting that they're going to remember who I am 100 years from now, but I want to know that the decisions I make today can impact the people 100, year, 100 years from now. Love that. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, Pila's uh, vision statement is to create a waste-free future. Our BHAG is to eliminate 10 billion pounds of waste from the waste stream annually. And, um, you know, we, quite frankly, uh, got a lot of work to do. But the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, and we are, you know, well into that journey. And uh, we've been able to inspire a bunch of amazing people that came alongside because they believe in our our bold vision and mission. And uh, and so we we feel really just compelled that that we can be the the change, the age changes agents of change <laughs> <laughs> of of our time. Say that ten times fast. Yeah, I know. Tongue twister. But, you know, just let me add this is that um, because I've been saying this to people a lot lately. I said, you know, the the greatest threat to our planet is not the current economy, the the blue versus the reds, the war in Russia, the Ukraine. Um, The greatest threat to our planet today is the false belief that somebody else is going to solve our problems. Mm. Why not you and why not now? It takes one person with courage to start a movement. And um, there's a bunch, we live in the best time in history, but there's a bunch of problems we've got to solve. And everybody has a place to put their agency towards solving those problems. I love that. I um, have been fortunate enough to kind of be mentored and and learn a lot from Jeff Hoffman, who's the founder of Priceline Mm -hmm. and one of the best philanthropists on planet earth and one of the best Mm -hmm. speakers on planet earth. And one of the things that has always, and what, what you just said there, I think is, um, it reminded me of one of his speeches that he gave. And ultimately he said there, he told this phenomenal story. Um, but I'll just get to, to kind of the punchline, which is there is no, they like, if, if you want to make a difference, if you want to make an impact, it's not, oh, they'll take care of it. Oh, they'll solve the waste problem. Hmm. Oh, they'll make a difference in, you know, the, the future of the next hundred years, it, it's it's got the, the best leaders, the biggest impactors, the the world changers are the ones who don't have the they will handle it mentality. It is a it is an ownership and an and an accountability mindset that it is my duty and responsibility to do this at whatever cost. And those are ultimately what you know. Those people are what birth the greatest businesses or the greatest movements or right. I just think of so many people that you know, legacy wise have really left a legacy far beyond, you know, when they've passed and left earth. And it's because they didn't rely on someone else to do it. It's they took that responsibility into their own hands at whatever cost and got in there and made it happen. And I love what you're doing. I love your mindset. I love, honestly, this mission of, of Pila and, and Lomi. And I know a lot of people are going to want to, you know, follow along on the journey. They're going to want to maybe participate in the journey, or maybe they're just going to want to, you know, stay connected to you and in proximity to you. What would be the best way or place for them to do that? Yeah, well, thank you, first of all, for having me on here. I feel it was uh, really um, a privilege to be here and to hear your mind as well and the way you think about things. And, um, you know, it sounds like your community is a fascinating group. So, Appreciate that. Um, best way to find out about Lomi is to go to the website, which is lomi.com. 
So um, there you'll get just a sense of the vision mission and what we're up to. And we're, you know, we've inspired close to 200,000 people to uh, be a part of our early uh, launch, which is is amazing. And, and that's really, you know, snowballing. If you want to follow me, um, you can go to my website, which is bradpeterson.com. I mean, it's hard to spell my name. I'm not going to attempt to do it, but maybe you can put something in the show notes. Yep. We'll, we'll have it all in the show notes. Millionermindcast.com on Brad's episode. Yep. And, and just, uh, you know, we, I'm launching a book later this year called Startup Santa. And if you want to learn more about that, I'm actually, I'm okay with people reaching out to me and you can find out more, I guess you can contact me through my email, which is brad at fullspectrumlife.com. Just like it sounds, full spectrum is in the spectrum of light. So fullspectrumlife.com. Um, I'm happy to hear from people and uh, let you know about the book and uh, the course that we have coming up on the other side of it. And uh, hopefully we can really bless others through what we're doing. Brad, thanks for coming on the show today, brother. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the time. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're also going to get entered in to win a $100 gift card. Don't forget to share this episode out with somebody else that may need to hear it or may get some value from what was talked about in today's interview. And for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey, you want to unlock more financial freedom, you want to get more time back, or maybe you just want to level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to millionairemindcast.com and check out all the amazing products and resources that we have for our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, downloads and checklists, the Rich Life Planner for those of you looking to take your goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great, valuable tools, so be sure to check those out at millionairemindcast.com. And last but not least, If you're not on my weekly text letter and you want to be the first to know of exclusive updates and offers in addition to behind the scenes access to a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, that I'm investing in, be sure to join by texting the word notes to 844-447-1555. With that being said, thanks for listening today. Until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.